Every so often I meet a young, inspirational person who completely takes my breath away. Sophia Bowmick is one such individual. From an outcast at school to captaining the men's rowing team, Sophia has travelled extensively across the world and whilst volunteering in the Philippines after a major typhoon, her life was to take a sudden and unexpected turn when she suffered a horrendous assault. In this hard-hitting and very personal interview, Sophia explains how the hard times she has suffered have given her the strength to follow her desire to become a leading light in the tough world of men's professional boxing. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is Your London Legacy. Well, once again, we are here in London for Your London Legacy, today's episode, and I'm delighted that I've got another wonderful female guest here today. And I was just looking back uh, through the history of the guests we've had on the show so far. We've had some quite incredible guests from uh, Claire Barrett, Solly Lazarus, Ksenia Zemtova, Liv Winter, Janine Saba, who are doing amazing things. And again, I'm delighted to say we've got somebody who's also doing quite remarkable work in her own industry, which I think is going to surprise a lot of people. So a very warm welcome to Sophia Bomick. Have I pronounced that correctly? Yes, that's perfect. Sophia, <laughs> Sophia, I've got that bit right as yes, well. That's right. I'm always a bit paranoid <laughs> that I get the pronunciation incorrect because people can not get my name right half the of time. Course. I get Lazarus and Nazareth and Laz- Lazarus <laughs> and Nazareth. So Sophia, welcome. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure. You're only the second person to sit in that chair because we're in the uh, the Your London Legacy home studio, <laughs> such <laughs> as it is. So you are in a fairly unique position, if I may say, and we want to dig deep into this as we as we talk and we converse, of being one of the few female people who are heavily involved in the sport of boxing. Yes, yeah, it's an interesting one. <laughs> it's a very interesting one. And I want to f- find out, and I'm sure the listeners will want to understand how you got involved with boxing because you're an agent I believe of boxers and promoter boxing promoter I'm just an agent I don't get involved in the kind of the promoting side Uh of things um yeah it's quite an interesting story really I mean I don't do things like a normal agent just because my interest in boxing is more to do with politics than it is to do with actual boxing which people quite find different but yeah I think in terms of when it when I started I was in the Philippines a while back, I think back in 2014. And um, I saw a lot out there. I saw a lot and I experienced a lot myself. And I realized that the only way to make change in the world was through sports players and musicians and actors using their platforms properly because they have the most influence. I did work in politics and I tried to change things through that, but it didn't work. So that's why I went into this field. So there is a gold to all of it by the end. So I think people will start to see it as the years go on. Okay, so let's, I mean, you've, you've mentioned an awful lot there from politics to sport to sort of yeah. leadership in your field to, to travel. So just let's take a step back. Where were you brought up, first of all? Because you, you, you now live, obviously, in London, and most of your work yeah. is in, in and around London. But where were you born and brought up originally? So I'm originally from Devon, Somerset area. Okay, you don't have the accent. No, I don't. <laughs> I know, I have a bit of a, a strange, I mean, yeah, different accent. Uh-huh. But um, no, I I lived on a farm for a few years with an incredible family who um, taught me how to break in horses and, and all sorts of uh, farm life, which was something I'd never experienced before. And then I actually went to boarding school in Somerset. So I've had quite a diverse life, I would say that very independent one. 
which I was very fortunate to have. I think, you know, some people can see it as good or bad, but from what I'm doing now, it was definitely a blessing. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Did you enjoy your time at boarding school? Um, I personally didn't myself. Boarding school wasn't really for me. I was one of those kind of outcast children, really, that <laughs> was very, um, very rebellious. Like I said, very independent from a very uh, young age. You, you got siblings as well? I do, yeah. yes. I have two brothers, one older, who's actually, funnily enough, on a sh- uh, TV show right now. Okay. How come? <laughs> um, he's... I'm not sure. He kind of got asked to do this show called Shipwrecked. Yeah. So um, he's, yeah, he's doing that at the moment. So fame, famous family we're going to have here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. What What, what are your pa- parents? What were their backgrounds? What did they do? My dad is a doctor. Uh-huh. Um, and my mum, she, she doesn't work. She's just kind of, she lives up in Chester and she builds houses with her husband. They renovate houses. It's quite incredible oh, cool. what they do. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So... I mean, what was the best thing about boarding school? I mean, was it being away from home, being able to get up to mischief? (laughs) (laughs) The best part, I think I was just very lucky to be able to be in all different sorts of sports. I think a lot of people don't know about me. I was the captain, actually, of the men's rowing team. Yeah, I was reading about that. So so you went to a mixed school, but it was not an all-girls boarding school? No, no. Right. Yeah. So how did you get involved with, um, because you were Cox or the captain of the men's team? Yeah, so I actually, prior to that, I was doing modern pentathlon, and um, I wasn't very good at that. I was just that person that was always distracting my teammates and having a lot of fun, but I was very loud. Um, so someone actually spotted me to, to do, to go into rowing and become the Cox. Um, so I kind of got thrown into it really at the deep end and ended up being quite good. I was always about doing things differently. So I like to do a performance analysis and I really, really liked people to see how good they were at something. So I was always talking to the boys one-on-one. So it did start from quite young, I guess, doing what I was doing. And how did the boys take to having uh, a female leading their team and analysing their performances? Yeah, I don't think they really, I don't think they cared too much. I only ever came into one run-in really with um, one of the rugby players Uh who came onto the team. But we spoke about it. I'm very direct as a person. So I'll ask, I'll call you out if you have an issue with me, (laughs) rightly or wrongly. But yeah, we sorted it out. I asked what the problem was and I can understand it can be a bit odd to be taking direction from a female well it shouldn't but it may, for some guys it might feel a bit odd but this has obviously set some of the boundaries for you and your learning experience to do Definitely. what you do today having to manage in a, yeah. in a male orientated world so you had some success did you have your own sporting success because you're obviously quite a sporty person yeah. no I I mean I did well in you know pentathlon and that was kind of it really I didn't really pursue it too much because from a young age I actually knew my strengths and weaknesses I knew what I was good at and that was just leading people I don't really know why that came to me at such a young age I just it was very natural it's like I saw talent in people and and wanted to push them I was always about helping others including my brother um he's he was a very talented cricketer and it was incredible to watch him do well at that and see and I also saw from his perspective sometimes school isn't and academics just aren't people's strong point. Sport really can change lives. And I think through sport, if you have the focus there, you can then focus on other things. 
that's why I always pushed it. Mm. Did your brother go on to, you say he was very good at sport. Did he go on to sort of perform at a, a senior level or high level? Um, he did play for Somerset. Oh, did he? Which was incredible. Oh, yes. wow. What, their first team? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I okay. don't know myself. But what, What's his name? Sam Bomick. Yeah. I don't know why. He's got a familiar ring to it. Yeah. yeah. He okay. was extremely talented. Mm-hmm. I might get this wrong, but left-handed spinner. Okay. I feel like that's right. <laughs> yeah. You might just be throwing me a googly there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. So where do you go from there? So you leave, do you yeah. go to university? I actually didn't. I took some A-levels, which were not my strength, to be honest. I wasn't, I wasn't that academically gifted as people are always shocked when I say that, but I really wasn't at all. I didn't do very well at school. So, but I, I always wanted to prove people wrong. That was always something I wanted to do. So I actually retook my A-levels and I managed in chemistry, for example, managed to go from like an E to a B just because I was so determined to prove my teachers wrong. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, so I I retook at an independent school in Birmingham and just kind of worked in a pub alongside it. And yeah, it was incredible. I lived with another family again, um, just moving around as always. But yeah, very, very different. So you just, what you find somewhere to, when you say you live with another family, what yeah. do you mean? That you, you just find some board and lodging somewhere or you, this is recommendations through family or This was through, so at the time I was, um, I had a long-term boyfriend of uh-huh. six years and he'd gone off on a gap year and I actually stayed with his aunt and got to know their family. So, you know, a bit distant, but it was incredible. It was nice to do that because again, completely different culture, completely different values. You just, I'm always relearning, um, which has been incredible to my adaptation and how I fit in with people now. You just learn quickly what people are about, which I quite like. Yeah. And I feel that people at a younger generation, certainly mm-hmm. younger than my generation, you're, you're, you're eight. How old are you now? 23. 23. And when yeah. you were living away from home, yeah. how old were you then? Were you living with these family? Oh, well, I started at the farm. I was, uh, I think I was about nine. So yeah. And, the, and this family you're talking about was, now? Uh, 18. Yeah. So I, I feel people in this country, young, young generation in this country should take more opportunity to, yeah. to move out of home and live, live away from home and try different experiences, Definitely. even if it's in a different country. Yeah. You know, we're fully aware, you know, Australians and New Zealand and they, yeah. they come over here in their droves, don't they? Because it's part Definitely. of their culture to, to move yeah. out and move away. Maybe because London is such an amazing city. You know, yeah. we all have London. There's so much to do here, probably less to do, you know, if you're living in the outback in Australia. I don't it's know. It's true, yeah. But I think it's it's such a steep learning curve and there's so much to do and so many cultures to take in I think it's a really good thing that more young people should be doing yeah I definitely agree whenever I speak to people I'm I always encourage them to to go and to kind of leave their comfort zone because you will learn more when you throw yourself into life um I mean as we'll talk about it more I have really, really done that. I've been to so many different places and just started a new life. And it's been, it's been incredible, really. So you keep sort of reforming yourself. You keep changing yourself into to fit how you're feeling at a, any given time, following your passion as you go. Yeah, it was just following the, um, any route that would kind of help me with my end goal and prepare me because this journey that I'm on is extremely difficult. Um, and I think the more hardening you get at a young age, it doesn't become easier, but you're you're able to adapt a lot better. And I'm learning and learning more and more about this, that's for sure. So when did you first become aware that boxing or the arena of sport was something you, you wanted to get involved with at some degree? After I lived with this family, I went to the Philippines. There, That's when I realised I was out there 
uh, volunteering after the typhoon. And um, the Filipinos, they love boxing. They love it. And the way that a sport can influence people just, I mean, it inspires me. Uh, the same with music, but sport. There's something about what Manny Pacquiao has done and how he's managed to reform a whole nation. That I thought was incredible. Now, I was out there and I saw a lot of hardships and I thought, hold on a minute, there's something not right here. So it was from there that I kind of realized that I needed to do something with the ability that I had was to spot talent um, and push. I'm very good at pushing people. So, <laughs> yeah. Just going back a, a step, you mentioned Manny Pacquiao. Now, I'm yeah. not a boxing um aficionado shall we say maybe yeah. some of the listeners but i mean obviously manny pacquiao is a world famous uh, boxer in his own right from the philippines yeah i think he's also standing for um for politics as well yes, isn't he? he's standing definitely. for government yeah. so he is a big thing isn't he he's like a superstar yes in he, that country i mean it's unbelievable everybody anyone from the lowest people that are extremely poor to the richest people out there everybody knows who he is and his stories, his backstory is incredible. He's come from nothing and he's a real rags to riches. And that's, a lot of people can say it's a stereotypical story, but they're the best stories in my opinion, because it's so raw. Yeah, he's inspired. It's incredible. So there you are in the Philippines. You were going out to see some live boxing match. I mean, was it just per chance or, or so what happened? It was by chance. I was out on an island. We were rebuilding schools. And funnily enough, I... I wanted to stay. I was loving it so much. We were making so much change. We'd rebuilt this water tank out there and we'd helped so many children and families get back on their feet because the typhoon, honestly, it wiped out everything. I think that's what people don't understand. And as much as you can send money from the other side of the world, being out there and doing grassroots work. So were you working for a particular voluntary, voluntary organization over there? I was, yes. Okay. Um, and they had a library on the island. So we just kind of helped in many different areas. Very, very tiny island. Mm -hmm. I actually did fall in love out there. So I was going to move out there and stay and just continue to help. But um, on one of my final days there, unfortunately, something quite awful happened to myself and a few other people. So I realized that this had happened for a reason and that I should be an advocate for change. And that is why I came back. Is that something you care to share? Or Yeah, definitely. I think it's, um, I mean, it's quite intense. I'm sure that's completely fine. That's fine. Kind of it's, thing. Uh, <laughs> um, if yeah. it's okay with you, it's fine by us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so on my one of my final days there, they hosted a party for us. And unfortunately, I was raped. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, it was, it was very horrific, obviously. But I think the most horrific part for me was that I then found out it had happened to a lot of other women on the island and kids. And you... Me as a person, I'm very strong-willed and I like to protect others. And I just kind of took it upon myself to, to, to put them first and to, to go back and to build centers for women and to help them because they had nowhere to go. It was crazy. And it kind of summed up everything on the island, a very happy island where you think this everything's incredible but it's not there's this whole horrible backstory behind it and ever since then it's been about four and a half years now I've just been fighting for it and that's why I'm in boxing and not many people know about this one of my boxers knows one of them but a lot of people don't I think because again it's not the nicest thing to share 
No, I'm grateful for you for uh, opening yeah. up and sharing that. It's <laughs> not easy, but you're obviously a very, uh, you're a tough cookie made of stern stuff. Definitely. Was that from within the charitable organisation? Was that from people yeah. on the islanders who were involved in this? Unfortunately, it was within the right. organisation, yeah. which makes it worse, really. Makes it a hundred times worse because yeah. these are people you go out to and they're supposed to be supporting each other and supporting the islanders to rebuild their lives. Definitely. And uh, But unfortunately, there's been a lot of negativity about yeah. volunteering organisations in the press over the last couple of years so we, we don't yeah. have to mention which organization it was that's not yeah I mean that's the other part to it as well I think the reason so after that there there was a lot that came out about the charity and just being one person you can't do much about it I was with a group of volunteers one of my close friends saved my life I'm forever grateful to these people um for looking after me but you can't take down you can't expose anything like this if you're not someone and I'm lucky to be surrounded by three boxers that want to change they don't necessarily know about what I'm going through but in their own right they want to change something and you can see it in them and that's why we do well as a team because it's not even about boxing anymore it's about so much more than that um so it's incredible (laughs) So do you see that incident as like the before and after sort of event in your life? This is how you were before and this is this is like the watershed moment in your life? Yeah. Or did you yeah. always see yourself going down a certain route? I think it was definitely a watershed moment. People that go through major trauma like this, they understand when I say it's a real turning point. I remember being, I was sat on the beach after this had happened and I remember thinking it's decision time. Either you are going to be a victim and you're going to go down a horrible route or you can take the much harder road and help these people and deal with it. And I chose the latter because there were too many women and kids that had been through this on the island that needed me to be strong. And trust me, this has been the hardest thing I've ever done. No one really, really understands me, uh, (laughs) which is completely fine. I'm a very solitary person and I took it as a sacrifice, really. I knew this would happen. I knew that I would have mental health effects from it that are extremely difficult to deal with. And not many people will understand it. But that's why I only keep people in my life that really see me for who I am. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Well, you're obviously a very tough cookie. And, um, you know, more power for you for for coming out and, you know, talking about it openly now. We're very, very, very grateful to you indeed. So hope you find this useful as much as anything else and beneficial for for our our listening audience as well. It's fantastic. So you've gone there to do good. Mm. You've suffered uh, an appalling trauma. And so what what were the next steps? What were the building blocks in your mind as you you're leaving the island? What were you thinking you wanted to do yeah. as you as you as you left the Philippines? Did you have a plan in place or did you come home and think, what am I going to do? I'm going to get into boxing. Yeah. No, actually. So when I was on the plane back from the Philippines, it's amazing. My beautiful mother had managed to get me on a flight back to Manchester um quite quickly. So I was just making plans in my head really for how I was going to go about this and what I was going to do. I thought potentially I could expose the company and my story and it would inspire loads of people to come forward. But then I thought no, because I couldn't handle it myself. I was very fragile at the time and I wouldn't speak to anybody. 
um I, I think I mentioned before I was in a very long relationship and even that um was extremely de- that was another thing that I had to deal with so I thought I actually had to go to university when I got back to Reading and I was like right go to Reading University join or create your own society and start making change there so that's exactly what happened. What did you have? You say create change. What change did you have in mind? You must have had some burning yeah. ambition to I, do something. I wanted to get men and women who had been through this to start coming forward. I wanted us to start talking about it because people don't talk about it. People have conversations with me and they'll think that they can relate to it. But then I start talking about it and then they can't and then they leave. And more and more men and women go through this. And more and more men and women, and a very close friend of mine actually, who went through this herself, they suffer with mental health and eating disorders, or they they try to commit suicide. And people don't understand it. They watch the shows like 13 Reasons Why on Netflix and stuff, and then they think they're experts, but they don't actually talk to people that have been through it. And it's it's not nice, and it's something that I want to share with people mental health is becoming more and more apparent now people are talking about it more and this is a factor within it as well so yeah that's the aim so so you wanted to set up a charity or you wanted to set up like a society within the university people coming together and just being open and frank with each other or yeah or, or getting therapy or just social social sort of group it was more of a therapeutic type of thing I wanted to set up a society where we could all come together and just talk because Without people knowing, if you actually are allowed the freedom and like the platform to speak about what you've been through, it just sets things, it calms things down a little bit for you in your head. And I wanted to do that, but it proved much harder than I thought (laughs) because people really are quite nervous to talk about this kind of thing. I think I can talk about it because I separate it and it's not easy at all, but yeah Reading was one of the best adventures I definitely had that university changed my whole life yeah what did you study there <laughs> I studied war peace and international relations oh crikey okay yeah very different that is very different <laughs> yeah it's a fascinating topic I would imagine definitely yeah yeah what well, I mean did you do that with a plan in mind you, as you said you've spoken about politics and you've got a political leaning obviously or yeah. you're interested in the mechanisms of politics I just wanted to become more knowledgeable on things so that when I I knew where I was going with this and I know where I'm going and I know where I'll end up. And I always wanted to have, I wanted to be someone that was knowledgeable on different topics and in different areas. So I was able to expand. I never wanted to be someone that stated facts without backing it up. So I went there to learn and to help myself become more grounded really. And it was in, it was amazing. At first I did want to be a war correspondent <laughs> which is bizarre you like putting yourself in the firing line, i don't do you? <laughs> i really do <laughs> yes my mum was not happy uh-huh. about that you want to be one of the what's her name uh, marie colvin yes yeah. that really was what yeah. i wanted <laughs> there's a new film out about her isn't there at the moment yes yeah. no, i know it's yeah. incredible i haven't seen it i look forward to seeing that yeah, yeah. so you wanted to become a war correspondent <laughs> yeah what, what changed your mind you thought boxing was a better route forward well this i think that incident really changed things for me right. um it was funny actually people that know me well know that Whenever I'm uncomfortable, I make jokes. I was the worst. After this happened, actually, I was making jokes with volunteers I was with. And I was saying, oh, I'm very overqualified to be a war correspondent now. Of course, they didn't find it funny. But I think for me, I it lightened the mood quite a lot. 
So what happened after university? Where yeah. did you, what were your next steps? Well, during uni, I was working for an MP called Alok Sharma, who is actually um, in the cabinet currently. He's the minister for the Asia and Pacific. He, That's right, yeah. Yeah, pivotal. He, he helped me a lot. That man listened to me. He heard what I went through and he tried to help me because I wanted to change a law in England called the Limitations Act, which places three years on a case from the date of the incident. And a lot of people, they suffer um, injustice because of this and they've eradicated it in Australia, in Melbourne. So so in other words, you can't bring a claim for what's personal injury in effect, yeah. isn't it, for if, if something happens more than three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and you wanted to abolish that completely or have a longer period of time? Um, I, want, I understood the insurance side of things. So I wanted to extend the time, but it was a lengthy process. And I think I was working against the clock myself for my own case and it just became too much really and we decided I was still working for him at the time but we decided that it wouldn't work through this that's when I decided to go into sport because MPs get a bad rap I mean obviously today is an yeah. important day with Brexit and what have you. <laughs> so we need people like you to go make decisions for us yeah <laughs> no I know just get the damn thing through finally yeah. <laughs> and, but it, speaking and working with this politician on a one-to-one basis you found him anything other than yeah. sort of the negative impression we have of politicians he found it very good yeah I think if if Alok had the platform to do what he wanted to do and um, I just think he's incredible there aren't many politicians that I'd really advocate at all I'm a very strong-minded person and I will say what I think but he listened to me and just offered me real advice so it was good excellent <laughs> our, our local MP's rubbish but, uh, <laughs> but there you go <laughs> so you've got this political background you've got this sports yeah. background you've got this volunteering background you've yeah. had this damn horrible traumatic experience you you're still a you're very young person very you've experienced young. such a, you've lived away from home yeah been to boarding school you've got this whole amalgamation of incredible life experiences at such yeah. a young age and then something tells you you've got to get into sport yeah and boxing specifically this is a very funny story and i've never ever ever told it before that's what we like it's, we like is... we like firsts on the show <laughs> people always ask me how I got into boxing and it's quite funny. So basically, I I decided to become a strength and conditioning coach. Very random, um, obviously takes a lot of work, but I wanted to do it because I wanted to understand myself more. I was very into psychology and I was obviously on this path to doing something and I needed this grounding. So I became a strength and conditioning coach. And through my process um, of just being a 21-year-old or 20-year-old girl at the time, you end up, you find yourself on these dating sites. So through one of these, I met a boxer. Now, funnily enough, this boxer had said to me that he was an amateur boxer, but he couldn't turn pro because of some brain scans. They came back and, and the British Boxing Board of Control said, no, they declined it. So I said, no, no, no. No, I'm sending them to my dad because he's a doctor. Right. And I was very forceful when I want something. So I said to him, I said, please help me with this. Look at the scans. I know he's fine because if he wasn't crudely, he'd be dead by now. (laughs) So dad looked at the scans. We had them sent off. I then had this guy take new scans. And um, yeah, it was incredible. They came back positive and he was fine. And he's now a professional boxer. So presumably you had to resubmit the scans with doctor's reports, medical reports Everything. to the... British Boxing. British Boxing Board of Control. Yes. 
And they said, okay, yeah, we, yeah. we'll take your word for it. We're happy with the medical assessment. Well, they said no first. So it was a long process. They said no, just because the doctor hadn't, there was one word the doctor used in the report, which it, it was like a maybe. So it failed on a technicality, basically. Mm. So did then they send their own medics to go and re-examine the guy? This yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I actually said to the doctor, you, I remember writing the email. I said, you need to write, he is okay. Because the B- British Boxing Board of Control rightfully so, will not sign off a boxer if it does not say that. Absolutely. They've yeah. got to cover them themselves, haven't they? Yeah. Fair enough. So they then did this and, yeah. So what was it that made you so sure that this guy was, was you know, 100% medically sound? Because I wouldn't be able to tell yeah. just from looking at somebody. I just felt it. I I could see how much he wanted it as well. But there must be plenty of people who, who want things yeah, badly. And yeah. you think, you know, you've got, you know, partially detached retina you've got a you know liable to have you know concussion regular concussion mm. whatever it is it's something about a gut feeling that i have yeah. and well you're obviously right but yeah <laughs> it's it's a really strange one for me to be honest and i i can't always explain why this happens but when i'm around certain people i just know when when something's right and when it's not mm. but we were i think we were together during a time when i mean i actually had flown out to California whilst this was happening because I started a whole new life there. Um, So I was dealing with this when I was over there and it was incredible. I saw my capabilities. Struggling to keep up with your travels. So you're you're setting up, you're you're getting involved with this boxer over here and you're you're now in California. Yeah. Just prior to actually meeting this boxer, I decided that I wanted to move my whole life to California um, I was very lucky in the sense I didn't have anything holding me down ever. And um, I just decided I wanted to go to experience a new life, completely start again and see if I could make it in a new country. And that's exactly what I did. And then I met him after I'd booked my tickets. So um, I was just kind of helping him whilst I was out there. And it wasn't a lot, really. All I needed to do was make him a professional boxer. And it happened. And I know it sounds quite easy with me saying it but it really was that easy I think when you want to get something done you just do it um even with all the trials and tribulations we went through I mean the board rejected him so we then had to wait another month like it was why would they listen to your representations as opposed to here I mean honestly (laughs) seriously yeah because you with respect at the time you I was nobody you were nobody in in their eyes I just I think I have a way about me that is quite I don't know it's it's authoritative but it's also I know what's right and I don't say that in a cocky way at all but I think when I really believe in somebody I won't stop because a lot of the time the wrong people get put forward and there are so many people out there that really deserve these opportunities and this boxer in particular deserved it the amount he'd been through as a person was unbelievable and his story was sad and he, as a boxer, could change things. I still believe it now. We don't work together anymore, but I still believe that he will become one of the best boxers. If people see what I see, then yeah, he will. Definitely. So how long were you in California for? I was out there for three months. Oh, three months. Okay. Yeah, so not that long. Um, had visa issues by the end of it. So I was out there just after Trump had become president. So uh-huh. everything had become a lot harsher, but it's incredible. Yeah, Trump. 
creators of Trump Baby on the uh, on the yeah. show a few, few weeks ago. So oh. <laughs> you remember the big blimp, yes. the big orange blimp? Amazing. Yeah. So um, we're not terribly pro pro Trump yeah, <laughs> in this country. No. So you experienced some of the difficulties, obviously, with him coming into power, and then you yeah. decided to come back here and pursue your. Yeah. I mean, was it working on this with this British Board of Control issue, Boxing Board of Control, that made you think, well, "Hang on a second, I've been successful at yeah. this." Yeah. I think I know what I'm talking about when it comes to looking after boxers. Yeah, it was that. But it was also um, when I was out in California, I was working at UFC. And um, I, it was incredible. I just want to explain what UFC is. Yeah. So UFC, it's one of the, if you're into Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu, it's like the umbrella um, organization of all of these major, major fights. I mean, of course, a lot of people know Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, yeah. Yeah, so it, I was very lucky, but again, I just kind of, that was an opportunity that I had to force myself. But California was a very incredible journey for me. The three months I was out there was um, <laughs> quite interesting and something I don't really talk about because I think a lot happened in three months and it's just like, oh my gosh, but it grounded me as a person. So what, I mean, a lot happened. Hopefully not negative things again. Definitely. I mean, I think when you move from a foreign country to another foreign country, it's a different culture. And if you're naive, which I was, then you'll get taken advantage of. And I had I had so much money stolen from me. I had, I lived in my car for about four days. Being homeless for four days definitely grounds you. <laughs> so did you go over there with, with no nowhere to stay? You literally just packed a bag and flew over there? Or did you have a, a, a goal? Well, the plan was to move in with a friend of mine, but um, there was some misunderstandings and she went and did her own thing. And I was just in Long Beach, found myself in Long Beach and um, went on to spare room or Airbnb or whatever it was out there and kind of, started living I lived in a few different places and and they were they were very interesting places but so you got ripped off did you in a massive way yeah, yeah. Oh, um wow. yeah I lived with a, a racist Argentinian man <laughs> which was unbelievable that was um I've never really experienced racism before so. directed at you the racism. Yeah. yeah I hadn't experienced it before so it was quite interesting because again now I'm grounded in that um which was which is amazing. I feel so sorry for my family that I had to pick up my calls at three o'clock in the morning when I was crying, like, why is this happening? You must have an amazingly supportive family. You've already spoken highly yeah. of your mum and obviously your dad helping you on the medical yeah. side. My brother was another level. He he was unbelievable. My, my brother was kind of my rock through everything that's happened. He's just been there without even saying a word. So he's an older there. brother. He is, yeah. 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 Both yeah. of them actually, yeah. They've uh -huh. been incredible. But that was a trip in itself. And I think I, after dealing with the British Boxing Board out there, and I also helped an NFL player, just kind of guiding him with how to get into colleges. Look, I knew nothing about it, but I do know how to break doors down. How on earth did you get into contact with an <laughs> NFL player? And you've uh, been out there for three months. Yeah, just through meeting people, really. I'm a very sociable person. And at the gym at UFC, where we were in Orange County, a lot of people walked through the door and... Um, I just, he was Mexican and there's a lot of racism out there. And he just kind of said I, he didn't know how to kind of get people to, to colleges to be interested. Now I've watched a lot of movies and all this kind of stuff. So I just said to him, I said, right, let's look at your highlight reel. 
Let's create a reel. Let's go to the colleges. Let's just walk in. Why not? Why not? What What's the worst that can happen? And that's kind of how no, I, I love things. your attitude. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, 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 instead of sort of joining the dots and going all around the houses, you go straight yeah. to what you believe to be the source of the solution. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, if you don't ask, you won't get really. Oh, yeah. So. I was told that as a kid. If you don't yeah. ask, you, you don't get. Yeah, I, I love that. That's that's so yeah. true. So you had a fascinating time learning a hell of a lot in, in the States, yeah. albeit just for, th- for three months. Oh, my gosh, yeah. But a steep, <laughs> steep learning curve. Yeah. So you're growing up emotionally all the time with all these experiences layer upon layer, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, you're still very young. And then you, yeah. come, then you come back here. Yeah. Still any idea you wanted to get involved with? with boxing in a big way this is when it was solidified for me this is when it all kicked off yeah Yeah. so I was still working with this boxer who I just helped and I got back in August and I wanted to help him even further so this is when I contacted Steve Goodwin amazing man he is a one of the most incredible boxing promoters and managers I've ever met and worked with and I emailed him and I said look I'm working with a boxer I'd need to help him get to where he needs to get to it was very vague email and then Steve asked me to call him now you don't meet many people who are in his position that can do that just ask random people to call so Steve Goodwin is a leading boxing promoter and manager and manager he's worked with Derek Chisora Frank Buglioni uh, Nicola Adams now really incredible he just said to me he was he's very brutally honest as well which is what I like about him he said to me on the phone he has a manager you can't do what you're trying to do. Why don't you come and meet me in London and I will help you? So that's exactly what I did. And so you, d- you just contacted him out of the blue? Yeah. What did you, how did you just grab his email address? Did you just... I literally emailed MTK, Steve Goodwin. So MTK is another um, promoter, uh, Steve Goodwin. And I think there was one more as well. But Steve is the one that got back to me. And I'm lucky to say that it was the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> it's funny how those things happen, isn't it? Oh, I know, yeah. I mean, even f- we were saying before we went live you know how we came across each other I yeah. mean, I, uh, just for to repeat it I was at um doing a radio interview several months ago and I was talking to some of the guests there and somebody I don't know who wrote your name down in my <laughs> my little brown book yeah. I still to this day don't know who the hell it is but it's because that person <laughs> wrote it down that I contacted you so yes. these things have a way of sort of coming to the surface don't they working their Definitely. way out it's, yeah. really, it's really weird <laughs> so you meet Steve Goodwin yeah and he what gives you some tips on what to do or takes you under his wing yeah he kind of took me under his wing really he told me I think Steve saw in me what I think he saw the pain I think he saw what I was trying to do without me truly saying it I spoke about politics very vaguely everything was vague but Steve just saw it and he didn't ask he let me be who I wanted to be he took me to the shows to his boxing shows it threw me into the deep end definitely because there you kind of have to network and that's where all my journey started from him just opening the door for me so you think he wanted to see how you would react being thrown in sort of the rough and tumble of being yeah. ringside and spit and sawdust of it mm-hmm. all? I've been tested in this industry in more ways than others. The past year and a half of my life has been, I don't know, it's been the scariest thing I've ever been through, worse than the Philippines. In what way? People are unpredictable. The capabilities of people shock me. And You're talking specifically within the, the, the boxing industry fraternity or the people in and around it, like the hangers-on? I think that, yeah. I think people in and around it. I think people who come from different... I don't know. I think people are just very wary and for their own right. 
So I'm not someone who will ever point the finger at people if they're bad to me and be like, I can't believe you did that. No, the reason why people do things to others is it's a reflection of themselves and I can't help but feel sorry for them. And to be honest, this is why I do what I do because I'm trying to raise awareness for, for issues. They've clearly been through something themselves and they're projecting it out onto others. But is this in the course of you telling other people this is what I'm trying to do in the industry I want to become yeah. you know I want to look after boxers and promote their interests or is this you, you just hanging around being an, obs- an observer people being foul to you no I think it's I think when you start to talk to others and you trust the wrong people it can come back and bite you in a very bad way Have you got a specific example that you care yeah to? yeah <sighs> uh, about four months ago no maybe a bit longer than that a boxer I was working with met somebody who wanted to sponsor him now this I I went with it because I support him so much but this guy wanted to sponsor the boxer a lot of money per month so it didn't seem realistic but you must humor these things just in case they are now he was more interested in me than he was the boxer saying that I could be the face of all sorts and again I didn't feel good about it but my interests were with the boxer and not that issue so I humored it for a while and I went with it and this guy started following me a little bit um coming to my workplace and stuff like that and then um back in October recently 2018 he asked me to do some very very odd things and things where you realize he doesn't want to sponsor the boxer he wants you to become something else and I realized that I was actually being groomed to be an escort. Ugh. Yeah, very scary. And my mom is incredible at reading people. She told me from the start, but with me, I need to learn myself because otherwise I'll see it as an opportunity missed. So I'm glad I I learned, but I did learn the hard way. Is this a, a company, a corporation that's involved within the boxing industry and no. sponsoring or they're just saw an opportunity because of your this yeah. is someone you met ringside or someone was it no or? actually someone that my boxer met in a cafe and he is a sweetheart no i don't work with this boxer anymore but he's a he's very very sweet so he'll talk to anyone and i think sometimes yeah unfortunately for him as well we both that people take advantage of how kind we can be and that's exactly what happened. So the sponsorship was a complete fallacy. Oh, yeah, there was, no, was nothing com- in it at all. Yeah, it was a complete lie. And um, I've just learned now, and don't get me wrong, it, up until about December the 11th, things were extremely difficult. And I really didn't think that I could continue. My mental health had taken a turn for the worst, that's for sure. I lost this boxer. He didn't want to work with me anymore understandably I hadn't dealt with a lot of things that had happened so I was acting in ways that weren't really the best um I had friends take advantage of me kind of get close to me just to they wanted to get the ideas from me if people just asked me directly I'd tell you but when you go about it in that way it's quite nasty I had about four different people stab me in the back you could say at one time in a professional sense, we're trying to rip rip you off. Yeah, Absolutely. professional sense, but using personal ways to get there. Mm. It is what it is, really. But people and... will always, people, those sort of people, mm-hmm. will always who are going to abuse you, whatever form of abuse that takes, yeah. will always go for your weak spot, what they perceive to be your weakness. I agree. And, and I think 
And being nice can be perceived to be a weakness when it doesn't Definitely. have to be. Obviously, it can be your yeah. biggest strength. Definitely. But I think it was very good for me to go through this because I was that person. Obviously, from what happened in the Philippines, I'd spent years of my life running, running, running from it and my emotions. And this forced me to face it. And I am extremely lucky to say that I went through a moment where things could have turned out much worse. But I'm sat here today grounded from it. And I now understand that you should never run from these things. And I actually have no regrets about what's happened. I've made mistakes. Other people have made mistakes. But I'm so happy things went the way they did. I I suppose so long as you learn from, not your mistakes, but from life events that can happen to you. Yeah. Not your fault, clearly, the things that have happened to you. But so long as you can, I suppose, sense things likely to happen and be a a judge of people. Definitely. As I say, learn from situations that, hang on a second, this doesn't seem right. I mean, as good as you are in sensing that that boxer was was medically sound, I suppose you need to be also equally savvy Mm -hmm. to know that this relationship there's something not quite right here and, you know, yeah. have, have your wits about you. Definitely. Because people are always going to try and rip you off. Yeah. In business, I suppose. They may not They may not think it's ripping you off. They may just think, oh, it's business, you know, it's dog eat dog. Yeah. But in your industry, you know, you're a young woman going into a man's yeah. world dominated by men. I mean, I tried to do some research online to find women in the boxing industry and I couldn't find a whole lot of women yeah. who are in a senior position in boxing. Unless I, am I wrong? Are there, are there no, many, there? I mean, I know that there's an incredible reporter that works with, um, I can't remember who she works with off the top of my head and her name's escaped me, but women seem in this industry seem to get so much stick. I know this woman was getting sent death threats. Like people are so threatened by women. Like just go, like, being in the industry and I really don't understand why I can't imagine what this woman must have gone through to receive them but I know I'm not far off and yet women boxing is becoming more and more prevalent isn't it yeah you know there's more and more top boxers in in this country and around the world it's now you know why widely recognized as a a top sport you know Olympic who's our top Olympian Nicola Adams Adams. yeah she's been a leading leading light in female boxing I'm very lucky to be surrounded by some incredible, there are a lot of female boxers that support me and that work with me just from afar. They're beautiful souls. And to be honest, it's the nice side of boxing. The female side is pure. It's, it's just very, of course, there's going to be antics and stuff like that, but it's really just nice. And it's funny. It's funny because you would think that women's sport would be more catty as people perceive it from a stereotypical side, but it's really not. It's one of them. It's very pure and honest. And these girls know what they're about. They know what they're doing. And Katie Taylor, Hannah Rankin, they've set the precedence for women. And I'm excited to see what's about to happen. Yeah. And how do the men within the industry perceive the the women boxers, the female boxers? They still frowned upon? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that big. I wish there were more women in the shows, but um, Steve Goodwin actually is starting to, he's he's actually one of the people that is trying to bring more women into the industry. He has, he has a, a female commentator. He had his first female pro fight on the last card. Um, obviously, he's helped me. His amazing daughter is a promoter, and she's she's so good. Her best friend Amy also a promoter. So Steve really is an advocate for bringing women into the industry, 
he obviously manages Nicola Adams, so... Oh, he does, right, yeah. okay, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, I'm just thinking because, uh, you know, women in sport, you know, through my lifetime, you know, women playing football, no, never happened until quite recently, you yeah. know, women, you know, the world, the, the English football team now being managed by an ex, you know, World Cup, you know, legend Phil Neville, and you've got women running the line in football matches now, line, yeah. lines, linesmen and women boxers and you've got women cricket team and you yeah. know women commentators on men football matches now as well yeah. so slowly things are changing but it is very slow mm. very slow so you're going to be a leading light are you in, in management of men in yeah. boxing that's what I hope anyway I mean like I said it it seems a bit of it's like a byproduct of what I'm actually trying to do uh, it's a very nice byproduct, that's for sure. But it wasn't the goal. Um, so, so where is the crossover? Where, where is the, the synergy between the two? Um, so what with... With your mental health, yeah. what you're trying to achieve there, with the boxing and trying to promote, you know... Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it still gives me chills to think that I've managed to do this. But when I was in the Philippines, I remember thinking I'd love to work with the Philippine embassy because by working with them... I can achieve my goal of building centers in the Philippines. And funnily enough, I met Yusuf Kumari, who is my Filipino boxer. And when I met him, I kind of knew that this would be the path that I was going down and it was all real. It solidified it for me. And um, so a few months later, I managed to get the Philippine embassy as one of his sponsors which is a major turning point for me because that's when I knew I was on the right path. And from then I just, I stuck to it. And the crossover between the two was just, it was natural. It was a natural crossover. In all sports, there's a story. In all sport, there's a level of mental health. In all sport, there is, there's, there's something that's happened always. And the crossovers are there in all walks of life, to be honest, in everything. And I am, I'm just, I'm lucky that I have had these crossovers with people over and over again. And the newest one I have, Yasa Algina, he's, the other side of it was how I wanted more and more women to come into this industry and for men to be accepting. And he is the person that will stand for that. As a boxer, he is so loving with his family and his sister in particular and I've seen how he is with women and the amount of respect that that man has for women is incredible and he's bloody good boxer so I know that with his platform he will be able to bring more women in. How many boxers do you have you're looking after presently? I currently have three boxers and I work with one professional boxing coach. And what level are they at? Because these are professional boxers we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. What what level? So Yusef is on, I really hope I don't get this wrong. Um, he's just, he's had seven fights. Mm-hmm. I hope that's right. Um, Yasser. So they're all at the early stages. They're all, at, by the end of this year, the aim is to get them all fighting titles. Luckily, they're all at the early stages, but they're all at the same stage. So my partner, my business partner, Dan, uh, Daniel Miller, he, him and I have kind of made this plan where they will fight for titles at the end of the year. Um, and then we can replan from there. But we've planned for the next three years. So it's great. So how does it work in boxing? You've got to obviously up your game each time you, yeah. you, you win about you've got to then go for the next person in line is there's a pecking order isn't there yeah until you get to the title fights yeah there are and 
that's kind of why I work with the boxing coach as well, because I wanted to get an understanding and more of a team focus on where they were going. And him and Steve Goodwin, their actual manager, they kind of pick the best route for the boxer. And then what Dan and I do is we get the sponsors for the boys and we just get them there really. And it's kind of hitting at the right moment and knowing when the right time is really. So what is your, your role is more to manage their career path as much as anything else? Yeah, the yeah. commercial side Make of things. Make sure they're properly financed and yeah. they're, they're, they're taken care of yeah. in and out of the ring. Yeah, yeah. So, so Dan deals with the boxers and I deal with the sponsors. So uh-huh. it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good way. And you said the, Philippi- the Philippine Embassy, that's in this yeah. country, the, Fi- yes. the British Philippine Embassy. Yeah. Are sponsoring one of your boxers, the Philippine yeah boxer that you've got and where where is he I mean where is he in his career he is I mean I would say he's definitely he's still at the early stages he'll definitely be fighting for a southern area title this year but he's young he's very young he's 22 we're in no rush he's very mature so we're just lucky in the sense that he's like a sponge he learns and learns and learns and he's already like a world-class talent so we're not throwing him in yet we don't want him to peak too early so we're just kind of strategizing different ways to go about it, go about it, getting him more exposure, more fights, and just kind of allowing him to love his career as much as he can. There are too many boxers, I think, out there that they fight just for the money. They don't actually love the sport. Um, I want him to be able to go out there and teach others and just become an icon like Manny. Um, luckily enough, he's Filipino, so he can. <laughs> Are they aware? Is they aware of each other? So, obviously, he's aware of Manny Pacquiao, but is Manny? Yeah. yeah. Well, through the connections with the embassy, luckily enough, they. So when Manny comes back to England, um, obviously he's just fought. So when he comes back, they'll be introducing Yusuf to Manny, which is, I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. That's. I still am a bit starstruck by that, but they said it so casually, so I guess it's a casual thing. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. That's really cool. So what level of involvement does the embassy have? Is it purely financial or is it because they haven't got a lot to yeah. put their name out for, really? I mean, it's no. not, not business purposes. Well, actually, they are my network. They're like a business-to-business network. Uh-huh. So essentially what they've done for me is opened the door to over 250 Filipino businesses. Okay. Oh, wow, of course. Who will now yeah. support Yusuf. So that's, that's your role to go around and speak yeah. to all of these organizations and people. Yeah, and then they use their connections and platform to kind of help with that and then we put together like a PR plan for Yusef so that once they're in place he can go and do PR tours and all sorts and the embassy will sort that out for him his citizenship which is incredible I never expected that to happen yeah really really good one that (laughs) and this leads on to other avenues as well does it for like sportswear and get sports gear and getting sponsorships from from other associated definitely elements of the the the, um, boxing industry I think when I get contacted by other sponsors I get quite shocked because I'm a planner as you can tell a very very strong planner so I know the routes for the boys so when other sponsors contact me that aren't directly within the plan it's always quite funny, really, to see what they what they want. And I suppose, given your previous negative experience, yes. you get a little bit wary of what you know. What are they really? I do, yes. Yeah. Um, the sponsors we have at the moment—they're like a family to me. They know everything. Like I do speak to them a lot. One of you says sponsors, Tiger Bay. They have supported me 
in many, many ways. And I'm so thankful. Well, feel free to give them a plug here if you wish. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Tiger Bay International, they're, they're incredible. They're a shisha bar in, in Kingsbury and Hunger Lane and they have one. Oh, just around all. the corner, Kingsbury? Yeah. Yeah, okay. We'll have to check them out. <laughs> all over the world, they have places. Uh-huh. And I'm very young and sometimes it's emotionally draining to go through a lot of these things and they've become my little haven really just to escape so you're going to sort of build a wraparound sort of mental health theme around it or all that you do as well yeah so that the boxes and yourself can provide life care if you like yeah stages well the one thing i knew i had in common with these boys was because obviously it's it's difficult you're a woman a young woman this is how they see me. You're a young woman going into an industry, a boxing industry. Most people think I have an agenda and it's not nice. They what, think, what, what agenda would they suspect you have? This is what I'm still trying to figure out. I don't know myself. I don't know. I don't know. But it's not the nicest of things. So I knew that I had to, to find something in common with the boys. And it was mental health. And it was connecting with them on that level that actually boxing is my escape. Like for me, boxing, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I see boxing as a dance. It's like hugely creative and emotional for me. And the the last boxer I had actually, he was particularly one I love to watch because whenever he boxed, I would get very emotional because he kind of boxed the way I felt about the situation that had happened in the Philippines. He knew nothing about it. He just fought with so much heart and it was beautiful to watch. And that's why I knew he'd go far was because he never gave up. And that's exactly who I was as a person, who I am as a person. And this theme of mental health, it just, it's apparent when they're in the ring because you're on your own and you have to really use your mind for that. And what you've been through comes into play there. Sure. But I would have thought being in the ring is almost an escape from the day-to-day yeah. problems that they they may have an experience in their normal life. You know, they can get away from yeah. it. They can focus just on yeah. the matter in hand and the, the, the face in front of them, as it were. Definitely. I think there are two sides of it. It can definitely be an escape, but it can also be, and this is this is why I personally don't box. Boxing scared me because I felt trapped in the ring. I was I was running. I was running from my issues but now one of my boxers trains me. He's got me back into the ring. He doesn't really know about any of this, but he has made me feel safer to be there again. And it's just, again, like I said, the stories from so many angles, it's so different. But yeah, it's an incredible story. Yeah. It's amazing. I think you're, a, I think you're an amazing person, quite Thank frankly. You. <laughs> yeah, you're doing some wonderful stuff. I mean, your, your, your history and your story all peaking to what you're so what i mean what are you trying to what what is the end goal you say you, you have these ideas mapped mm. out in your brain you're a, you're a planner what is the end game what what's the next year five years ten years what what have you got lined up so the plan and i again i'm so surprised that i'm doing this last year i made a vow to myself that i would i wanted to do something with a mental health just through what i was experiencing and then i was so lucky I'd spent the year trying to approach Camden Market, but no one got back to me. And then finally, someone got back to me. And I went to see them and I pitched an idea I had about hosting an open workout in the middle, in the heart of Camden Market on behalf of mental health. And they loved it. And now... What do you mean by a workout? Do you mean a a, a sparring? A boxing, yeah, a boxing event. In a a ring. Mm -hmm. So like a mock-up fight, like a sparring. Yeah. Because I wanted to 
show people that sport and just being out there and being around other people that are in the similar situation to you will help and you're not alone and I know that's so cliche to say but too many people think they are but I wanted to do it from a different approach a more grassroots approach and I'm so lucky to say that in four weeks time this is happening amazing so yeah so give us some details yeah so on February the 28th um myself and Camden Market have teamed up with Try Yoga and a few other youth groups around the area and a bo- and my boxing club and others and we are putting on a massive show we are basically doing an exhibition that is on behalf of mental health awareness. So we'll have a boxing ring in the middle. We'll have artists performing. Um, we are going to have yoga live, like outside yoga, which is going to be incredible. Um, and then kind of people talking about mental health and doing little workshops and things like that. So who's the mental health organization here you're partnering with? Well, we have, there's quite a few involved in this. We have one called Camden Can. Mm-hmm. And there are a few youth groups that are around the area that are helping out with this, but I don't think there's one specific. Um, we've just had a few, uh, like I think even the uh, police from the area have got involved with it as well, which has been incredible. I didn't expect this kind of turnout. And I think they're saying that like ITV and BBC are coming down as well, which is oh, amazing. Even more remarkable. Yeah. So the, you're organizing this or your work with Camden are organizing it? Yeah. But it's your idea, yeah. your concept. It was so they picked it up and run with it it's very sweet and i'm very very thankful to camden market for this oh how wonderful yeah so you'll get hopefully some very good exposure definitely and as you say some benefit from mental health awareness as well yeah i'm very fortunate to be living my goals all the time and my dreams because i just knew i want like the ultimate goal was to just help people and make an impact that's all i wanted to do in my life was to continually make an impact but in the right way and help people from a grassroots level instead of throwing money at people. And I'm doing it. And um, the boys are on the path to getting them where they need to be. That one is quite amazing with Yusuf and Yasser and Derek and what I'm planning to do. I even know like who they'll be fighting in their title fights and stuff. It's that in, like it's that ingrained in my mind. I know what will happen and I know what I'll be doing. Do you know because you sort of visualise it in your yeah. mind? <laughs> yeah. I just saw it really when I met them and kind of the impact I wanted them to make from it and then what I wanted to do. I've seen the way boxing shows are going. This is boxing, do some incredible boxing shows and the way that they've combined music and boxing has just been incredible. So what I'm trying to do is add that third layer of impact now to it and kind of give meaning to the shows so just going back to the question before where do you see yourself and your business and your business is called do you want to give your bear management bear management b-e-a-r yeah. yes management london yes bear, bear management, management london. london where do you see the company the business yourself in say yeah. five years time expanding mm. your network of boxes and doing more promotional stuff with mental health i will be dan and i are planning some really incredible things but the plan is to work with these boys the ones that I have because in five years time they'll be at the level where they need to be to make the impact so I want to work with five boxes and then from there I'll be training them to become agents themselves um, so that they then can start doing what I've done replicate the good work you're doing and they're all they've all bought into this idea of mental health and supporting people yeah I wouldn't 
I think I wouldn't have worked with them if, if they weren't. And um, even the ones that I have worked with that I don't work with anymore for differing reasons, I still believe in them. And I think there's always a reason why you work with somebody and whether it ends well or it doesn't, you learn something from that person. And it's just been the most incredible journey so far. Well, it sounds amazing. And there's so many different layers to it because yeah. there's your own personal journey and learning and overcoming the the issues, you know, that you face and that we all face, but yours are particularly yeah. um, tough, shall we say, from such a young age. So there's that, the issues within the industry itself, trying to overcome the uh, the anti-female thing that's going on there and all the taking advantage of you. Yeah. And there's what you're trying to achieve with your business as well. So every sort of different level, yeah. there's difficulties to overcome. But Definitely. You seem to be doing very well, I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's nice to hear. <laughs> no, you're doing re- remarkably well. And... Um, so long may it continue. And it thank you. just really remains for me to thank you very much for coming to join us. I mean, it's a remarkable story, a wonderful journey. And hopefully, yeah. who knows, maybe hopefully we'll get uh, come along to Camden and some of Definitely. your other events, come ringside yes. and cheer you on <laughs> and maybe get you back on the show, you know, when things are developed again yeah. and see where, where you are in a few years' time. Brilliant. Thank you so much. No, it's an absolute pleasure, Sophia. Thank you so much for coming along to uh, be on the show. And uh, how can people get in touch with you? social so, media and email and what whatnot yeah social media i'm on instagram it, literally it's just my name sophia bomick and do you through, want to spell that because it's not yes so sophia so s-o-p-h-i-a and then bomick is b-h-a-u-m for mike i-c-k just find me and i'm really like if you have any questions i do get back to people very quickly i'm always reading my messages and um I help a lot of people become agents. So if you are looking to do that, I will help you because I love people coming into the industry. I think it's great. So, yeah. Fantastic. Once again, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and good luck to you. Thank you. (laughs) 